lovely words, those are from the hymn writer, so full of deep spiritual doctrine, aren't they, and truth. Well, today, dear church family and friends, in our passage of scripture, we see the joyous account, really, of the blind man, this man who was blind from his birth, really, upward uh, to his adult years, how miraculously he received his sight again. And it was not only his physical sight, of course, that he received, he received more so a spiritual sight, his spiritual sight, to see God for who he really is. That was the main sight that he was given. Now friends, you would have thought it would have been a happy occasion, a joyous occasion, a delight, that a man who had been born blind and who had really, in those days, had to beg for his food and uh, had to depend upon others very much so for everything, how this man had now received his sight, you would have thought it would have been a joyous occasion. It would have been a delight for many people, especially those who were the religious elite of that day. But sadly, in today's passage of Holy Scripture, we see that this was not the case, was it? How this man was treated was in a terrible way. And the very fact of the matter is, is that this sad reality that the religious leaders had on that day is very much similar to that of our own day. The religious leaders of that day had a duty, a spiritual duty towards the Lord God to point to, to God's way of salvation according to the Holy Scriptures and to show it. That was their duty, as it is in our day. And similarly, church leaders and those who are in, in, within the, the, the leadership of churches have the same responsibility to point people to God's way of salvation according to the Scriptures and to show it, to demonstrate it by their love and their mercy and their kindness. And so, friends, it's no wonder, isn't it, really, why so many people are so confused nowadays to the true way of salvation. So many people in our culture are so confused on how to be truly converted. And as a new church, I can really, you know, we've been around now for coming up to three years, two to three years, and we've been preaching on the highways and the byways. We go out into Tiverton, High Street and Exeter and other places, and we go on the doors and we preach the gospel, and we point people to God's way of salvation. And I must say, in the last two to three years, a startling realization really has dawned upon me to the state, the condition of the visible church of Jesus Christ, those many who profess to be Christians. Um, most of the people, I can say, not all, but most of the people who profess to be Christians, I've met in Tibetan and we as a congregation have met, I can honestly say I don't believe are truly converted. That's the sad reality of it. And how, how can I say this? How can I say this? Well, often I'll ask them just a very simple question. I'll ask them, have you been born again? That the scriptures teach, the Lord Jesus himself says, you must be born again. 
There must be a period of time in your life where you've changed. And God's work of grace in the heart must change you. Christ has a, a great impact upon the life, a radical change in the heart. And most people I've spoken to don't actually know what the word born again means. It's such a word that is tossed about so, so much now by Christians. They don't actually understand what it means. You see, in our culture, especially in the visible church of Christ, we are very much propagating a social gospel, a do-gooder gospel, where if you just go to church once a week, you're associated as a Christian. You're a true Christian if you go to church, and if you don't swear, and if you don't partake in certain things, you're a Christian. And friends, I must say that if, if you're that way minded, you've been deceived by these church leaders, friends. You see, many, many people, sadly, in our culture today, have been led astray by this polit politically correct gospel, the social gospel. And like in the days of Christ, there are many church leaders who claim to see, as it were, they claim to be guides of the lost. They are not like the common people, of course. They have knowledge. They have this knowledge of the gospel. But they themselves, I would say, most of which, in the visible church, are, are blind themselves. They, they, they show, really, that they are unregenerate, really. They are the blind, leading the blind, as it were. And that's why the Lord Jesus really says in, in today's sermon text, in verse 39, For judgment I am come into this world, that they which see not might see. And in talking about this poor blind man, really, he genuinely, genuinely sought the Lord. He genuinely sought to worship the Lord, truthfully. But he was being led, led wasn't he, by the religious elite of that day, that they would see not might see. Of course, this is also referring to the Gentiles, the Lord opening up a door to the Gentiles, as it were, and in part blindness, to Israel because they had neglected the Saviour. And so that they which see might see, and they which see, and sorry, that they which see might be made blind. And of course, this is what we see with the, with the Pharisees. You see, friends, contrary to popular opinion, judgment is not a dirty word. It's a biblical word, isn't it? And the, the Bible talks often about judgment. There is a right and there is a wrong. There is a, a light and there is a darkness. Inside each and every one of us by nature, there is a, there is a light. We can be civil and polite and we can, we can be nice people. But there's also a darkness, there's a depravity within each and every one of us by nature. And Christ really came, who is the light of the world, to try men's hearts in this respect. He came, really, as the light of the world to shine in the darkness, really to, to prove where we are. And so Christ, who is the King of Kings, he will judge the world according to righteousness, won't he? That's the standard, righteousness. Now how do we know what is righteous and what is not righteous, what is unrighteous? How do we know because we know that the, the standard to enter into heaven, the standard really to, to be accepted 
into Christ's kingdom is that of perfection. It's that of righteousness. That's the standard. Else heaven wouldn't be heaven if Christ could allow sin in. Uh, it would, would not be heaven, would it? And so the standard is absolute perfection and righteousness. It says in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, All scripture is given by inspiration of God. So not part scripture, not the scripture which we the like, according to our lifestyle, but all scripture is given, the whole counsel of scripture is given by inspiration of God, and it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Instruction in righteousness. That's where the true seeker, the true, the person who truly wants to know God savingly, to have a relationship with their maker, that's where they get their authority from, as it were, to understand God's way of salvation. It doesn't come from the Pope. It doesn't come from men's reasoning. It comes from the authority of Scripture. That's the standard. That's where God points us to his way of salvation. And it says in verse 17 that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. You see, the scriptures are able to make you wise unto salvation. The scriptures point to God's way of salvation. But sadly, you see, friends, the religious elite of that day set up a righteousness of their own, didn't they? Which was not according to the scriptures. It was not biblical. Indeed, Christ says of them in John 5, 44-47. Now remember, Christ throughout John's Gospel is having this almost a, this, this discussion with the Pharisees. We see this to and fro, don't we, between Christ and the leaders of that day, convincing them that he is the Christ. And we see this in John 5, 44-47. How can ye believe which receive honour one of another, and seek not the honour that cometh from God only. He's saying, you're just seeking your way of salvation, but not the honour that comes from God, that is through Christ. It goes on to say, don't think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one that accuses you, even Moses, in whom you trust. Even those who think that by the moral law, that they live lives, they go to church once a week and they think, I'm a Christian, I don't swear, I don't do these things. And, and people speak well of me, and they say, he's got a good heart, he's got a good heart, that person. Well, well, he's saying, well, don't, don't expect. It's not just me, it's, it's, it's the law, it's Moses that accusing, is accusing you. It's, he goes on to say, well, had you believed Moses, you would have believed me. For he wrote of me. And as we know that right throughout the Old Testament, the, the law and the prophets pointed to the Saviour, didn't they? The shadows and the types, the prophecies, they all pointed to, the, to Christ. But if ye believe not his writings, says the Saviour, how shall ye believe my words? How shall ye believe my words? You see, friends, God's judgment was upon that nation, wasn't it? And especially upon the leaders of that nation. Because they had corrupted the way of salvation. They had corrupted 
what the prophets and what they taught in pointing to the Saviour. And that way of salvation, as do many churches today, do exactly the same thing. They point to a, a do-gooder religion. A do-gooder religion. And Christ even said to them, didn't he, in John 5, 39, Search the scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. Testify of me. That's where true salvation comes from. And having thus reasoned with these re religious hypocrites of this day, Christ, of course, goes on to explain by reason of a metaphor, um, this miracle, really, this miracle of the blind man. He goes on to explain by this metaphor what their spiritual condition was by using this poor blind man and the metaphor of this poor blind man. He says, For judgment I came into this world, verse 39, that they which see not might see, and that they which see might be made blind. Might be made blind. Friends, God takes hypocritical religion very, very seriously, doesn't he? He is a God of truth, as we read earlier in Psalm 51. He desires truth in the inward parts, from the heart, as it were, and the mind, the, the, the understanding, and the heart, you see. That's where he wants truth. And those who seek to abide in the truth must ab abide, dear friends, in, in the, those who seek to abide in God must abide in the truth. And it must be from the heart. And it must be from the mind. You see, friends, when it comes down to it, the Word of God, well, when it comes down to it, when it comes to the Word of God, what is our attitude that we take when it comes to the Word of God? The blind man's attitude, I would say, was very much different from the Pharisee's attitude, wasn't it? And if I, if I could put it like this, one was thinking upon these lines. The one, the blind man, was thinking more upon these lines. What do the scriptures say? What do the scriptures say? Indeed, he says in verse 36, Who is he? That is, he's talking to the Lord now. Who is he, Lord? that I might believe on him. In other words, he wants guidance. He understands he's blind spiritually as well. He doesn't see clearly. He wants to know the Saviour. He wants to know who he is to worship aright. You see, he's blind here. And so he's concerned about what do the Scriptures say? I want to understand God's way of salvation. I want to understand who is the Son of God that I may worship him. That I, I want to know who the Christ is. And you see, the other, the Pharisees, who were wise in their own self-conceit, in their own eyes, were, were thinking upon these lines. What do I want the Scriptures to say? What do I want the Scriptures to say? And that, my, my friends, is the prevailing attitude of the visible church today. Most people... Nominal Christianity, uncommitted Christians, worldly Christians are thinking upon those lines. What do I want the Scriptures to say? Not what do the Scriptures say, you know, what is God's way of salvation, God's way of holy living? No, 
What do I want them to say? In other words, how can I make Christianity fit in line with my lifestyle? That's really what they, they were doing, weren't they? With their traditions and all their straining at that now. That's, they're trying to fit their way, the, the world's way, man's way of salvation, into God's way. And they're trying to take scripture and abuse it. And sad to say that many, many people do likewise today. The word of God says, doesn't it, in 1 Samuel 16, 7, For the Lord seeth not as man seeth, for man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. The Lord looks upon the heart. You see, men, they see he's got a good heart. He's got a good heart. He's such a nice person. Listen, he goes to church once a week. He gives to charity. He's, look at that person. I don't hear him swearing. And I feel Christians repeat that process. Look, he's such a lovely person. But really, when you get down to it, does that person have a heart relationship with God? Is that, don't this God first in that person's life? For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward. He looks upon the white sepulchre, as it were, that can be full of dead man's bones. He looketh on the outward. But the Lord looketh on the heart. He who created the heart knows what's in the heart. He knows what we're trusting in. He knows what we're living for, doesn't he, friends? And so my question for all of us today, including myself, is your heart right with God? Is your heart right with God? You see, friends, we are given really two ways of salvation in today's passage of Holy Scripture. We're given the world's way, man's way of, of salvation, which, which really exalts Man, doesn't it? And downgrades the word of God. And then we have, uh, pictured by the metaphor of the blind man, God's way of salvation, which humbles man to the dust, as it were, and exalts the word of God, the word of the living God. And so firstly, let us look at the world's way of salvation, which the Pharisees, those religious hypocrites of that day, and, I might add, of our day, display so evidently in, in today's passage of Scripture, and of which, sadly, many, many nominal Christians, uncommitted Christians, and, and, and worldly Christians display as well. What are the symptoms of this world's way of salvation? How can we examine, as it were, our hearts and say, well, what are the symptoms? If, if I have been deceived, what are the symptoms? Well, the first symptom is this, that like the Pharisees, we will have an incredibly high view of our own selves, of our own obedience, of our own righteousness, of our own standing before God, as it were. We'll have a very inflated view, an unbiblical view of ourselves. We think, well, my condition is not as bad as the preacher is making it out to be, actually. You don't know that many people say, I'm, I'm a good person, and, and I don't swear, and, I, and I, I give to charity, and I do all these things. I'm a nice person. Many people say so. And I do go to church at least once a week, so I do consider myself a Christian, and so I do all these things. I'm a nice person. And, and, 
perhaps you've been led to believe, really, that your condition actually is not as bad as what I'm making it out to be. And it's certainly not as bad as what the Bible says your condition is. That the heart, by nature, is desperately wicked and evil. That's what the heart, that's what the Bible teaches. That all of us, by birth, really, like David says in the, in the, in the, in the Psalms, we were con- in sin we were conceived. That Adam's sin is, is passed to us, original sin. And that when we grow up, that manifests itself. In our life, we don't want God to rule us. We don't want Christ in our life. We're, we're switched off to the things of Christ and eternity. We don't want Him to reign over us. We are like exactly like them. We can't claim to be any better than them. This is our spiritual conditions. But like the Pharisees, you may say, well, you may say, well, I have a, this vast uh, academic knowledge at my disposal, you see. I've studied theology. I'm an academic. I, uh, I've read so many books on religion. I may even have particular uh, honours put upon my name. I, I love apologetics. I can debate the ears of a donkey, as it were. And I've got all these qualifications. And so uh, I'm, I, see, <laughs> I see more clearly than most, as, as it were. I'm not like these drunkards. I'm not like these people that go and do this and, and that. I see clearly, as it were. I know what it is to, to be a Christian. And dear friends, if this is your justification, dear friends, if these means I'm speaking about is your justification, I must tell you, by the authority of the Word of God, that you've been misled and that you've been deceived. And indeed, many people have been deceived in this respect, sadly. I must tell you, dear friends, that if this is what you're trusting in, you're not yet a Christian. You may be close to becoming a Christian. It's a good thing to go to church. That is a Bible-believing church. It's a good thing to read your Bible and sound biblical material. These are all good things. It's good to frame your life around that which is good and not that which is evil. Those are good things. But they are means, dear friends. They in themselves cannot save you. All these things I've described, dear friends, are means, aren't they? It says in Luke 16, 15, Ye are they which justify yourselves before men, but God knoweth your hearts. For that which is highly esteemed among men is abomination in the sight of God. Even good things. We think of the serpent, uh, the, the, the pole, don't we? With the serpent. That was a good thing, wasn't it? But it was abused, wasn't it? And good things can be abused, can't they? Even proper and good things can be abused. But hold on, you may say, some may say to me, I don't believe in evolution. I've never believed in evolution. I've been brought up, really, I've been brought up to believe that, that there is one God, the triune God, and that He exists. That's how I've been brought up. And after all, I've been brought up this way. I've never believed in evolution. And you've done well to do this. These things are good and proper. But in the words of James 2.19, Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. 
The devils believe that there is one God, and the devils are fearful of that one God. Friends, you can believe that God exists and not be a Christian. Two-thirds of the world's population believes that there is a God. Only in the Western world, really, we've succumbed to uh, evolution and and those things. But actually, two-thirds of the world's population still believe in a God of some sort, as it were. But the difference is, is they many don't have a relationship with this God. You see, it's to the unknown God. And, and we must have a relationship with our God. God wants us to have a relationship, a heartfelt relationship, a, an assurance with Him. You see, that's what He wants for each and every one of us. And that's why the Savior says, doesn't, doesn't, doesn't He? Those who claim to see aright, as did the Pharisees, will in fact be made blind, as it were. For judgment I came into this world, that they which see not might see, and that they which see might be made blind. You see, friends, this world's way of salvation will only harden your heart more so against the gospel. Uh, Having an inflated view of yourself and your own righteousness, it will only harden your heart, actually, against what you are in dire need of. And the Lord is over and over again in John's Gospel trying to convince them of this very fact that they are there on themselves blind. And they need light, the light of the Gospel. And it's so sad, isn't it, friends? You will think that you are, you know, this this thought process, you'll think that you're more worthy than other people to be converted. And that's the prevailing attitude of Christendom today. People think, well, I'm more worthy than that person to be saved, uh, really because of my outward formalities. And this, is, this was the pharmaceutical mindset. I'm more worthy to be converted than this person and that person because I go to church, because I do all these things. And really, they completely misunderstood. They missed the gospel, didn't they? The contrast, this, dear friends, to God's true way of salvation demonstrated in the conversion of the blind man. You see, friends, like this poor blind beggar man, from birth we are all spiritually blind to the, to the matters of Christ and eternity and the souls. I mean, I was brought up in a Christian home, and I went to church for many years, and I actually made a profession uh, in my younger days, but I was never a Christian. I remember going off the rails as a teenager, to my shame. Uh, and uh, I, I was under the gospel many times. I said I was a Christian, but, but really my mind and my heart wasn't in it. It wasn't in it. It was just a formality. I wanted people to think I was a Christian. I wanted people to think I was a good person. I went to church. I, I was relatively obedient to my mum and, and my dad. In my mum in particular, my dad left us. But, but friends, I, I, really when that happened, my mum was a Christian, my dad wasn't. I went off the rails, really, because really I wasn't a true Christian. You see, it was just a formality for me back then. We too, we really, friends, we have been misled in our culture, haven't we, to think that we can be cured from our blindness by outward formalities. That's the problem. We think that if I go to church, I'm a Christian. If I do certain acts of kindness, I'm a Christian. 
and we've been misled by so many false shepherds, uh, wolves in sheep's clothing. This social gospel, which is so prevalent in our day, that if you come to church, if you uh, join in the churches together movement and adopt this street pastors and all these things, all these things which are completely unbiblical and ecumenical, you're a Christian, as it were. This social gospel, which is not a gospel, dear friends. We've been led astray, dear friends, into the, this do-gooder religion, which, which really, if, if this doesn't change, leads to hell, doesn't it? It leads to hell because it has this inflated view that I can enter into heaven, that the, the gates of heaven will burst open, as it were. When God calls me, as it were, from death, or on the day of judgment, the gates of heaven will burst open because it says, oh, look at that person. People said he had a good heart. People said he was a good person. He went to, to, to church. Oh, he did all these things. Oh, he's such a good person. And I'm not against these things to frame my life around. I'm really not. But those things can never save you. They can never, ever save you. Formalities, outward appearances of formalities, can never save you. Yes, they are. They, they can be the fruits of a truly converted soul, but they are not what the Lord has in terms of salvation, dear friends. We've been misled, isn't it, to a, 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 an appearance of, of what Christianity should look like, which is not according to the Bible. Christ said, didn't he, in verse 5, I am the light of the world. I'm the light of the world. You're not the light of the world. Your own heart is desperately wicked. And when we truly come to understand our position, like the blind man did, we understand two fundamental things. The Bible teaches us two fundamental things. It teaches us to be a student of our own heart, of our own sinfulness. When Christ, who is the light of the world, shines in the darkness, we understand, we see, am I, am I this filthy? Have I got this much stains upon me, as it were? And I remember very vividly when I was converted, I remember this light flooding upon me. I thought I was a good person. Other people thought I was a good person. But when the light of the gospel came, I, I saw my heart and my mind for what it was. I saw that I was a hell-deserving sinner. I, I, was, I did not need to deserve God's salvation. I did not deserve any mercy. I knew this. I was so unworthy. Dear friends, although I betrayed a whiteness, a, a white sepulchre, deep down I was dead and thin. There was an emptiness and there was a void in my heart. And maybe I'm speaking to someone here today, or someone who come to, will come to listen to this, and deep down you know in your heart that there's still the emptiness there. There's still the void there. That you, you know, you've, you've had this facade, as it were, for many years, and, but you know deep down that you're not yet born again, you still, the world has still got a very big part in your, your life, you've got one foot in the world, and one foot in the church, you're, you're keeping up with the Joneses, as it were, of religion, but deep down you really know that you don't have a real relationship by faith in Christ. There's something wrong there, and that this was the blind man, he knew, not just his, his eyes, his, his eyes, he knew in his heart that he needed guidance. 
But he wasn't right. He didn't see her right. Spiritually speaking, he knew this, didn't he? Dear friends, Christ said, I am the light of the world. He is the one that shines the light of the gospel into our dark hearts. He is the one that anoints the eyes of the blind. We are spiritually blind. He as it were anoints us with the, the dust of the earth as to say that you're full of earth. You're, you're full of the things of this earth. You're but dust. You can't save yourself. You, you, you can never save yourself. You must look to the Son of Righteousness. Like a farmer looks to the sun to bring a, a, a seed that's in the earth to life. You must look to him who's a great gulf away. But by faith you believe in due season. He'll bring you to life again. You must look to him. To his salvation. To what he has done on the cross of Calvary. To his righteousness. To his perfect obedience. To his merits alone. And be converted. Don't look to a formal religion. To be converted. It will lead you astray. That's what he's saying here. You're blind. You need to see your heart. Your depravity and your sin. And you need to see Christ's love. That he loved you. More than any of these false shepherds. And these wolves. And, and, and the world. He loves you so much that he laid down his holy life. For you. A sinner. And so friends. He anoints the blind eye, man's eyes with clay as to say, you're full of this, the earth has been on your eyes, but go wash it now. Wash it, as it were. The water that comes from heaven, Christ, who is the living water, will wash the earth away. His blood will cleanse you from all sin, as it were. He will do the work. Look unto him and be saved, as it were. We cannot look within ourselves. Friends, you're not going to find salvation within you. That's the word, world's motto. He's got a good arm. You can get, you can go to heaven if you do these things. No, you can't. Only through Christ. Only when we start at the cross of Calvary and we come as a sinner to Jesus and we fall at his knees and we say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I'm the sinner. Have mercy upon me, please, Lord, save me. Only Christ can open up my eyes and your eyes to the truth. Like the blind man, when our eyes are opened up to the truth, as it is in Christ, dear friends, we see Jesus, don't we? We see the Saviour for who he is, the Son of God. The God come in flesh, who lived that perfect life of obedience, and love laid down his holy life for us sinners, the just for the unjust, to bring us rebels to God. We see him. We see God, don't we? He's now number one in our hearts. There's a great transaction and change in our hearts. We, formal religion has changed to heart religion, mind religion. Every day we're committed, consecrated as a living sacrifice unto God. That's the first thing the blind man did, didn't he? When he was converted, he worshipped God, didn't he? His spiritual eyes were opened to the truth, dear friends. That's what we need, all of us. That's what we need, don't we? Like the blind man, when our eyes are opened to the truth, we see Jesus for who he is, don't we, dear friends? The Son of the living God, our Saviour, our Son-bearer, the true shepherd. And when he calls you by his gospel, you hear his voice. 
You, you, you've now been fed up with all those false shepherds, with the world's way of salvation. You say, no, I can't get right with God by being a do-gooder, a, a, a Christian. I can't get right, right with God this way. I, I'm, 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 I've had it. And now I'm trusting in the true shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Saviour. I hear his voice clearly now. He's calling me by his grace and his mercy this day. I'm hearing him. And that brings about true repentance and faith in his finished work on the cross, doesn't it? A great work of grace then takes place in our lives. Where we truly believed in Christ as the Son of God, as our Saviour. We look outside of ourselves to him. Then we then and only then we receive the Holy Spirit, dear friends, and we guide on. Amen.